Welcome to Season 1, Episode 20 of Wednesday at 9pm. Tonight we will find out why ghost hunting is just electrical engineering, why your ghost may be a washing machine, <laughs> and why Microsoft invented one of the coolest ways to hunt ghosts. This is Wednesday at 9pm. Wow. What a hook. But yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't tell you guys much about uh, what I was doing. I kind of pivoted from what I thought I was going to do last week. Um, so you're in for a surprise. It's going to be a little bit of a different episode tonight. Um, more of a factual. Educational. Side of things. Educational. That's a that's a It'll be some nice infotainment. Um, infotainment, indeed. So uh, first, we're going to get into some updates about the podcast so frank if you'd please so my update is part shout out part update shout out to our number one mega ultra super fan david hoy who listened to episode 19 and heard my desperate plea for him to reply to me on linkedin and he did and not only that i offered him to tell a story one day and he said he's very interested (laughs) <laughs> all right so Maybe, i guess around uh winter break probably would be best for him right? david hoy there you go you're going on break research a story and let me know via linkedin <laughs> and we'll get you on that would be <laughs> that would be so fantastic going from someone we think doesn't exist to guest host would be that would just be fantastic so shout out to you david hoy Thanks for listening. Yeah, and uh, for those of you at home that want to do the same, you just gotta gotta step up your game. <laughs> David Hoy's getting all the recognition. Yeah, honestly, here, get so. in line, right? Oh yeah. And shout out to, of course, Maddie and my mother, our number two, tied for number two fans. And uh, shout out to Fallon, who hasn't listened in quite a while, but uh, <laughs> she's been helping with the the content building and uh, also the social media. That's, so. And that's more than enough. That's very much appreciated. One last shout out to a special friend very close to us, Derek. I hope you're out there, buddy. I hope you can hear us. We love you. That's all. So let's uh, get into some background for why I'm giving you guys this education talk. So, and feel free to pipe up at any time if you have a question, comment, concern, or you just want to interrupt me. So recently, with the help of Fallon, um, we watched a presentation from the Orange County Paranormal Society. It was about the Gans House in Sharon Springs, New York. Now, I've even after watching this presentation, I don't really know much about the Gans House. It's supposedly haunted. However, there's no like records of death or anything in the house. There was a record of a fire, but nobody died or was injured. However, they did a full-on paranormal investigation and uh, reported their sightings and findings, um, which were pretty cool, to be honest. Um, And they went into depth about the tools they used and, you know, how they got the evidence and what all means. So I got inspired to, you know, you guys have your kind of niche things. Nick goes for the crazy stories. Frank goes a little bit more historical. Would you guys say that's pretty accurate? I would say it's pretty accurate. Yes. Nick is crazy. Don't. Yeah, he. I've been listening to a lot of Mysterious Universe. That's true. I got some stuff cooking. (laughs) Oh, goodness. 
Well, not quite as crazy. Keep an eye out for that. Not quite as crazy as them. Good. That's good. We love you, Ben and Aaron. Yeah. So, um, that with that being said, I don't have a niche. I just kind of fall in the middle ground, I feel. So, you know, maybe I thought, why not tailor my episodes towards paranormal investigations a little bit? Maybe look into some famous investigations or not so famous investigations, weigh in on what I think about the evidence they collected, what, you know, whatnot, um, going on some of my own, potentially. I've already been on one, so. We've all been on one together, kind of. Okay, well, then I've been on two, so. That's true. That's pretty cool. You guys are really slack. Honestly. But, uh, yeah. And, you know, informing everyone about the science behind the ghosts, because I think, I think we could prove ghosts exist. Oh, certainly. I mean, we should probably, I mean, that, given what you tell us tonight, we should probably post a, uh, or publish a research paper and get peer reviewed by each other. I mean, we're peers, <laughs> right? We'll get, yeah, we'll get Derek to peer review it. Maybe we get another friend. David Hoy. David Hoy well, he's going to sign off. A professional. Yes, he will sign off. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's really cool. I mean, this would, could be a great resource for us to always listen back to or point people to because, yeah, we do. We did kind of pick up this whole show. We never did any sort of introduction into any background topics whatsoever. We just kind of hit the ground running with like, yeah, ghosts and spirits and poltergeists and UFOs and Bigfoot. So I'm really excited to hear what you yeah, uh, have kind of just. Yeah, I feel like we kind of just had this assumption that everyone is on the same level of knowledge that we are about the paranormal. And I don't think that's true about most of our listeners. Like, I don't even that it's family. Fallon wasn't aware of a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fallon, I know wasn't aware of a lot of stuff. Um, So I, I'd like to just present this for us because I learned a few things and, you know, just for the general public so that when we talk about EVPs, EMF, all this stuff, it's not like what are they talking about funny words uh it actually means something you can kind of make your own assessments of if we're saying anything of truth or value so uh i was gonna take you guys through some common evidence and measuring devices that we see in a lot of our stories and i've seen on you know the investigations personally so awesome any questions before we get started? Yeah, so this... I have a comment. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I might be a little more knowledgeable about some equipment than Frank is, just Probably. because of watching certain things. I know that I've... Things that you've said, Aaron, I know that I've recognized them. I don't necessarily know precisely everything about them, but I think most of the names of a lot of the like equipment I am relatively familiar with, so... Yeah. Excited to learn more though, because I think it's just pretty cursory knowledge. Yeah, this is a little bit of a step, a slight step up from cursory. I'm not going in deep in like talking about like, oh yes, the Ovilus is actually better than the EVP reader because right. I'm just kind of like giving a base overview of the everything. Obelisk? What? Ovilus. No, the what the heck? The obelisk is what Crowley went oh, to go God, see in Egypt. True. Well, yeah, I mean, already something I've never heard of, so what have you got for us, Aaron? All right. So, 
feel free again to chime in at any time, but I'm going to just go piece by piece. So first up cameras, you know, easiest way to spot a ghost, <laughs> see it, <laughs> you know, not, not just an ordinary camera. Okay. I mean, if you get so lucky as to get a picture of a ghost with an ordinary camera, awesome. That's usually not how that works, but there are more sophisticated cameras. So like you've got a full spectrum camera, which allows you to take pictures of the full spectrum of light. So, you know, ultraviolet, infrared, you guys can't see it. Our cameras can't see it. Well, not really. So if you remove like the lens filter from the camera, it allows you to view the infrared frequencies more so. So a step up, a step above visible light. So not, I don't think we can see it. We can, there's some features, I think like a mantis shrimp and trout. I think I remember seeing (laughs) very odd animals. Yeah, but they can see infrared. I think maybe ultraviolet. I'm not sure, but wait, you guys can't see infrared, you know? No, actually, I can't. Weird. That's interesting. So is um, this these so a full spectrum camera? Is that something that you can purchase? Like that is a type of product? Yeah, I believe so. Got it. Or you're saying you um, can another, modify an existing camera a little bit to capture more of the spectrum of light? I don't know how easy yeah. it is to modify an existing camera, but you probably could. Interesting. It would be a little bit tough, so I wouldn't recommend it. If you're trying to just purchase a camera, I would just a full spectrum camera so you know it's it's interesting because you can see these invisible light frequencies it's important to note too that these cameras you want to use in a dark room no light because obviously the visible light's going to take precedence so if you have all the lights on you're just going to get what you would take with a normal camera so in order to get the true effect of if there's something there that we're not seeing, we need the infrared and ultraviolet to come forward. Another type of this camera is like the night vision cameras. So you you see the infrared, like I'm sure you guys have seen plenty of infrared night vision. You know, you see things that you wouldn't visibly be able to see, but because you're in the infrared spectrum, you can see you know, kind of like, I think it's greenish hue of people. So before I drone on and on about all the different kinds of cameras, why is this important to ghost hunting? And why is it important to proving ghosts are real? So ghosts are generally associated with energy. Would you guys agree with that? It does seem so. That's certainly a word that's thrown around a whole lot, though. I guess it's kind of like, I feel like it's also kind of a, a fallback when people don't really know. Yeah, I guess like buzzword. It's like energy. What is you know? What does that mean? But so yeah, I definitely hear that word a lot. Yeah. So like everything has energy, presumably as long as we understand. Ghosts probably have energy too, because if they exist, they have energy. So this energy has to exist somewhere, and usually we don't just see ghosts. So this energy probably outside the visible spectrum. So where could it be? Infrared and ultraviolet. Probably 
I would guess infrared um, because it's, I believe, a lower energy state. So I think, you know, especially when it comes to like the EVPs and stuff being on the radio frequency, I feel like the ghosts would have a lower um, energy level. So why do you say that? You know, well, so have you have you taken like a physics class on electromagnetism at all? Physics two, Frank. Yes. Did you take it? Physics two. Did I take physics two? That might have been. I might have dropped. I probably dropped that. Honestly, um, at some point. Oh, you, you did. Out. You did. Yeah, at some point I learned about light, and oh, definitely in my astronomy class, learning about the. A little bit about that, but I certainly, not to the extent that, presumably you know. Yeah. So, basically, light is in a spectrum of frequencies and energies, and on the very left hands, well, it depends on how you orient it. I guess on the very right hand side, in terms of highest, uh, frequency, I believe radio waves have the longest frequency or wavelength. So they have a shorter frequency. Correct. So radio waves have the longest frequency. Or no, I'm sorry, the longest wavelength and the shortest frequency, which means the lowest energy. So you got your radio wave and then infrared and then visible light, which is anywhere from 700 to like four, 400. Something like that. Nanometers. Somewhere in that range. And then you start shifting to ultraviolet and X-rays and UV late. Uh, wait, no, deep UV rays. So you get like the, to both sides of the spectrum, you get the more harmful rays. Um, so again, why is this important? Ghosts are in one of those two sets of ranges that are outside the visible spectrum. Unless, I mean, Sometimes people do see ghosts, so I guess it's possible that they border the line sometimes between infrared and visible. You know, these cameras are picking up on this infrared, ultraviolet, and supposedly people are able to capture pictures of ghosts or Nick's favorite kind of evidence, orbs. <laughs> Why are you shaking your head, Nick? I hate orbs. Okay, but not so. I'm going to say this again and again throughout the episode, but all ghost evidence, in my opinion, is very circumstantial. So obviously, yes, orbs can be mistaken as a like a dust on the land or, <laughs> you know, a light coming from somebody's phone or, you know, whatever. So it can be misconstrued as certain things. However, I have also seen times where there's no light, no nothing changing, and an orb floats across. I'd like to, probably after the episode, show you guys a little clip of the video presentation that Fallon and I attended. Oh, cool. Because they have a pretty, pretty cool clip of a, an orb flowing through. I guess they call it like a visual apparition and not an orb. Um, I understand your your dislike for orbs, Nick, because they can be so many false positives. I just, but I just think like ahead. even if it is, even if they are like low frequency, 
like you can do more than just an orb right like (laughs) (laughs) come on it's so small you never see like a huge orb they're always really tiny fair so it's like i i mean that's i don't know how higher energy levels work aside from just listening to stories about beings at higher energy levels but still yeah, so that's the nice thing about the supernatural is we don't know how it works. So we can say so, anything. Yeah, we can say anything. We can say True. that when you die and become a ghost, you actually just shrink and become really small. <laughs> <laughs> we can say that you only parts of you can permeate into certain frequencies that can be observed because obviously these infrared cameras can't pick up radio waves so maybe you exist mostly on the radio waves until you break through and reach infrared and then break through break through further to visible light you know there's different it's a spectrum so perhaps you know the stronger your emotions and feelings or the stronger the emotions and feelings of those around you that are alive but the energy surrounding everyone um, can actually maybe push this being into a more visible spectrum so that, you know, it can be observed. So I, as an electrical engineer, after looking into this phenomenon, I kind of believe it a little bit more. I, I was apprehensive like Nick about orbs because a lot of the time it's lens issues, but after looking at it, it's got some scientific back, I think. And obviously, this isn't fact. This is theory. But, you know, that's my stance. Nick, you kind of gave your stance. Is there anything else you want to say about infrared, other energy levels before we move on? If anything, I think things would have to be higher than what we can see so because you hear all these stories and all you know all these i mean some you know all these researchers that talk about higher energy beings higher energy means like we can't see them if we can see visible light then it has to be above that so my thought is if true ghosts and things are on ultraviolet and up you think so well yeah because that's the higher that's shorter wavelengths so it's higher energy right because the frequency is correct higher but we also can't see radio waves true but that's technically lower energy right so maybe we're higher energy than ghosts and they live in their own world and when they become higher energy beings then we see them yeah what i find so interesting is that in the spectrum of light, we can only see such a small fraction of it, right? Which yep. means we can see a tiny fraction of light in the universe. Like what we see going on is is nowhere near the full picture. So it's not even like, you know, you can think of it as how 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 can it be that there are things we can't see? But in reality, it's more like we we can see so little in the in the 
in the grand scheme of things that it kind of makes total sense that right there are things that we can't detect with our eyes or even with other senses that still exist and are just undetectable to us without maybe the help of you know whatever methods maybe the devices you're listing or or other methods so um yeah and it certainly does make sense that unseen things can exist yeah most i personally i personally nick think that it's a lower energy level i understand the higher energy thought because we think of ghosts as like above us since you know they've ascended to the next level of life i guess you could call it but i think you know especially with the evp avp kind of situation could be tied to the radio waves perhaps just a theory i don't know i'm not a ghostologist a ghost not yet it's just a theory so are we good to move on to the next piece of evidence all right emf readers now i know you guys have both played phasmophobia of course i'm not I'm not looking into the what the game says about EMF readers, but I'm going to talk to you about the facts. Fact. An electromagnetic field meter, which is what EMF stands for, measures the strength of the field nearby it. Typically, these meters are not used for ghost hunting. I mean, nowadays they are, but originally they were invented for, you know, power lines to make sure they're not radiating too much electromagnetic field um household electrical work is another one to kind of make sure you know you don't have a connection going to the wrong spot or you know a short or whatever while you're wiring your house and i don't know if you guys you guys have definitely seen these but they look like a little handheld device with a couple leds at the end that go from green to red like green yellow red uh, obviously, red means bad, which is a higher level of electromagnetic field. Um, and they actually measure the milligauss, which is the strength of the field. Don't ask me what the meaning behind the units are. I know it was named after Gauss, who was a scientist, but I don't know exactly to say like, oh, yeah, one kitchen magnet. I- uh, emits exactly this many milligauss. I don't know. I didn't look it up. I wasn't going to bore you guys with the details of that necessarily. But for context, background levels in your house, you know, with unless you're standing like right next to like a powerful appliance, about one milligauss. Now, if you start standing like right next to or you put this meter right next to like your washing machine or something, you're going to get probably five milligauss or more. So this, this allows you to detect, you know, essentially electricity, um, energy anywhere around you. So another way, another tool of doing this is called a REM pod. Nick knows what I'm talking about. Frank, do you know what I'm talking about? No. So, I think I have a picture in the show notes of a REM pod. It's basically this little cylindrical device, usually red for whatever reason. 
and it essentially creates its own electromagnetic field as like an antenna and then supposedly these ghosts mess with this field or a person even could mess with this field and like disrupt it and then it, it would trip and start blinking its LEDs and making noise and whatnot. So kind of ties me in to uh, how, why is this important to prove ghosts are real? So EMF is another way to measure energy. So if you notice the spike in EMF, generally there's some surge of energy. Now, again, evidence is circumstantial, but if you ask a question like, is there anyone with me and nothing else changes, like no electrical surges or, you know, anything kicking on or whatever, you know, if there's a spike in EMF, after you ask a question, probably a ghost, unless you have another reason to explain it. Like, obviously, if you get, you know, a phone call, yeah, there's going to be an EMF spike. but. Generally, in theory, it's a good piece of evidence because if you've got no other explanation, it has to be supernatural, right? I, gu I mean, I guess so. Yeah, I I'm thinking about how when trying to detect the existence of something not invisible and that we can't directly test for, like there's no like ghost detector that literally detects the essence of a ghost, right? We have to do all these things to detect side effects. And it's there's side effects that we're not even sure are related to the phenomena that we're looking for. But it's like the best we have, right? So it's so interesting because it's like yeah. no matter no matter what, we're kind of groping blindly in the dark, trying to like, you know, sense something that's left over by the target we're looking for. It must be so frustrating being a ghost hunter, honestly. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's frustrating because I feel like in practice, these things get a lot of false positives. All of these evidence get a lot of false positives. So like, oh, there's a something on the lens. That's an orb. Oh, the EMF spiked. Yeah. Well, your EMF reader is actually right next to a wire. Like in the Dr. Best house, when uh, I think Fallon and I went back for the paranormal investigation. I was noticing an EMF three out of five. So um, it was weird though, because you step in the doorway, EMF three, you step out of the doorway, nothing. So it is weird because the door, now this was weird and I couldn't quite explain but we thought it was the metal of the door, you know, and maybe there was it was conducting some slight electricity. Mm -hmm. That's what was causing it. Usually, like 99% of the time, that's what's happening is you're picking up, you know, oh, there's something here. And it's really just some slight wiring behind your wall or something. Um, so it was strange, though, because we tried it on the other door, which was wired the same way and there was nothing so it's a little weird in that regard and i can't quite explain it but there i feel like 
it's tough to say for certain what something is. Yeah, you can't use that as evidence on its own, but it can be part of, well, it can be alongside evidence that you find. I suppose. Though I'm sure some people do go around and if they see a two or a three, they go, those confirmed history channel. <laughs> we want three series. No, three seasons. that's on the discovery channel. Sorry. Yeah. Discovery channel. Hook us up with three seasons. We got EMF three, but I will say you could things like EMF, at least I don't know about the REM pod. Cause you'd have to kind of wait around, but with an EMF with the two doors, you could just do an experiment, take a bunch of samples Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if you run the stats on it, probably just like a t-test or something. I don't think you need to get too complicated. And if it is significantly different from what you think or what you know is to be normal, then something's weird. Some, and then you just need to find the explanation. All the yeah, variables, a- right? Who knows how many variables? Is compounding the right word? Compounding variables? Like Confounding. Confounding, thank you. Like the wiring, like you're saying, Aaron, like you, everything. That's why you need it. You you need, you need to do the same. Yeah. It needs to be the same environment every time, which is tough, especially when you're like, if you're going on a ghost hunt, you're not going to do EMF like a hundred times. Yeah. Aaron, in your experience from the ghost (laughs) tours you've done and, you know, you've experienced a little bit of different organizations that do these sorts of things. How would you describe the methods? That are typical are they uh are they scientifically rigorous completely like unrigorous or somewhere in between uh i'd say somewhere in between because they do have a lot of instruments that have like five different measurements built in in one mm. and it logs to their computer and then they go over the data later oh interesting and yeah so they do take a scientific approach when it comes to Take as many measurements as you can. Now, when it comes to interpreting the data, that's where I think it kind of becomes less scientific. Mm -hmm. Like I heard some EVPs and stuff that was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. I didn't really hear anything, but I'd say mostly falls in the middle. Yeah. Like they try and be scientific, but it's kind of hard to not get excited when you get something. So moving on to the next piece of evidence is temperature, right? You guys have heard ghosts make things cold. Yes. So one thing that was interesting to me is I was actually reading in some cases, ghosts can actually make things very warm as well, especially when it's evil in nature, like a demon can make the area like boiling hot whoa did you have some crazy stories you found that that suggested that or or, um was that mentioned like offhand or are there like accounts or anecdotes there um it was mostly just offhand i don't have any specific stories about it per se but i i had read on a couple different websites that you know it's demons are associated with like they can be associated with extreme heat and like a noxious smell and you know, like all that kind of Nick's nodding his head as if I'm correct. So. As if he knows a few. Yeah. 
Do you, Nick? Do I know a few demons? No. Keep them as servants. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the the sulfur smell is very common in like, I guess, I don't know if it's in like past like folklore of things, but in like the modern day, like sulfur has always been associated with demons. The hot temperature, though, I'm not sure. I have, I feel like I've heard of hot temperatures with paranormal things, though. So makes sense to me. Definitely just like temperature yeah. changes, right? Sudden temperature changes. And drastic. Yeah. yeah, like 20 to 30 degrees just drop. And then, okay, what causes that? So how do you pick this up? IR thermometers are for one thing, which they measure the surface temperature of an object. So it's important to note that you're not just waving a thermometer around the room and hoping to get <laughs> the temperature at that point. You're pointing it at somewhere and measuring the temperature. So what's interesting about this is you're kind of aiming it towards like a wall where you would expect it to be warm. And all of a sudden it gets extremely cold. And so you move around, you keep pointing at the wall and you can almost map physically where this cold spot is in the room versus if you just wave around a thermometer it's gonna you know it's gonna fluctuate throughout the room but if you're pointing at an object and all of a sudden it's reading something that it shouldn't be like you're pointing at a wall and it's warm and then all of a sudden it gets cold the wall didn't just suddenly get colder there's something in front of it that the ir thermometer is bouncing off of and measuring that's temperature perhaps a ghost you know it's so interesting when you hear that those temperature changes are very very localized like you said you can map the the bounds that comes up in so many different accounts in some that we've told on this show before i'm thinking of a few bigfoot encounters at least maybe some of nick's stories too i, I don't know maybe you too aaron the one that the one that I remember, Frank, is it was the coldness on the bridge. Yes. In your your murder story. Yes. Yes. And it's always described as that. Like you could take one step forward and you feel cold or you feel whatever disturbance. You take one step back, you don't feel it. And obviously, especially in open air, the atmosphere in the air around you doesn't tend to work that way and and not be homogenous. So that's always that's always been so interesting. I've never experienced that myself in any spooky place or or non-spooky place where there's almost like a wall. Because think about think about what would be the mechanism behind that, right? Like how could it be? <laughs> I know we're talking about things that might not be, but when people experience and describe like a wall where they could step through when it's freezing cold and step back it's not how can that be possible right it's a thermodynamics question well like obviously is it like the air is being held back like the cold air can't what is going on there and how can something control that and what is controlling that it's it's so it's so interesting to me i mean the fact that you can step through that boundary but the boundary still exists in terms of the temperature differences. What is that? I have no idea what to make of that. Very compelling stuff. Well, you can't see it, but if you point at it and you're measuring a surface, 
and you can see this surface yeah. makes you wonder if there's not something or someone there. And obviously it's not a person because you would very clearly see that. So are you are you suggesting that when there's those sudden like temperature changes, it is the presence of the ghost like or the spirit or whatever paranormal thing is changing the temperature in the area? Or are you saying that it's actually the the paranormal phenomena that itself, the space it's taking up is cold? Like if you feel a cold blast of wind when you're doing a ghost hunt, is it that the ghost walked through you and that's what you felt? Or is it mm. that you're in the area that the ghost is in and the ghost is making a cold in that area? See, I was thinking the latter, like the ghost is making the area in which it's occupying Got cold. It, okay. However, I feel like I feel like you could make an argument that because it's on a different energy level, I know that's kind of like a, a nice fallback, but it can manipulate the matter around it to make it cold as well. You know? You know what or, I want? I want a that? ghost that like drastically changes temperature, but I want it to be in Kelvin instead. <laughs> It goes to zero Make Kelvin. It really hot. Oh, oh. really cold. <laughs> like it's like, oh, it dropped by, you know, 20 Celsius. Oh yeah, it dropped by 50 Kelvin. Damn. You realize that Celsius and Kelvin have the same scale, yeah, isn't, right? Zero Kelvin's negative two seventy-three Celsius. Yes. Is that but like they each go when they go up by one, like when Kelvin goes up by one, Celsius goes up by Wait, one. Wait, zero Kelvin is like not frozen, right. like no movement. Right? It's absolute Absolutely. zero. Yes. I guess you're right. That is true. <laughs> it is one to one, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's still more impressive than Fahrenheit. True. Why do we but use Kelvin Fahrenheit? just starts lower. So let's have it go down in Kelvin instead. There. So, Frank, a tangential uh, point to that is. I think no. Fahrenheit describes how people feel and Celsius describes how water feels. So <laughs> if it's, yeah, it, I, I think I've seen that. So if it's, if it's zero degrees outside, it's cold. But if it's zero degrees Celsius, it's frozen water. You know, like that's the point at which water freezes. <laughs> okay. And then, and then Kelvin is for Adams. Kelvin's Kelvin's for yeah, God. That, that's <laughs> no. What's that Kelvin? other weird? What's that other weird uh, temperature? So it's with an R, maybe or a W. That's true, Nick. I don't There's remember another the unit. Name. I'll I'll look it up quick. Another thing, Frank, is you know, people and things can leave a lingering effect. So if a ghost is moving back and forth. To presumably make the entire area in which it's swept pretty cold. That's so, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Again. You hear it a lot. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think these IR thermometers or these thermal imaging cameras are foolproof because obviously things can happen like a draft. Or an AC kicks on, or a heater turns on. Yeah. Or a window all of a sudden opens up. There are explanations that could attribute to why there's now a sudden cold breeze through here. So it's not 
definite every time. And I'm going to, at the end of the episode, give my full take on that. Awesome. But, but um, yeah, I think you have to take the evidence with a grain of salt and be a true scientist about it. But we're going to move on to our next favorite piece of evidence is uh, EVPs and AVPs. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. So there's EVPs, which are electronic voice phenomena, which are essentially just electronic readings that can be interpreted as a ghost voice. Then there's also AVPs, which can be heard audibly like at the time and also recorded on an electronic device. And then there's also ghost boxes, which scan radio frequencies and show the incoming audio as words that the ghost is speaking. So why are all these important for ghost hunting? EVPs, spirit boxes, ovulus, I'm sorry, ovulus, um, they all allow you to, in theory, communicate with ghosts to try and prove their existence. I'm not sold on EVPs and AVPs because they don't really have a scientific basis, in my opinion. Like, it's just saying, oh, yeah, we pick up the electronic frequency and it, this is how we processed it and look at what it said. Yeah. Um, well, what, what it, do you find most convincing of those different? Because those are all very different forms, right? Like. It's one thing to have a recording of a voice, but it's a totally different thing to have some code that takes data or like static noise and turns it into words. So like what what in that area of things is most convincing to you? Would you say? I guess I would probably say the least so I'll go least convincing to most convincing. Least convincing, I would say, are ghost boxes because they're scanning radio frequencies and I'm not totally convinced that they're not picking up bits and pieces of radio signal and amplifying certain words as they come in. What is the thought there? So is that you may... the ghost is controlling the changing of the radio frequencies or are you... No. It's automated just... So... Yeah. If you could explain what that is. Yeah. So it, so it essentially, what it does is it starts at, you know, at the lower end of the frequency and it just scans through quickly all the frequencies. It'll increase in frequency and cycle through and it'll quick, quick change, quick change. And the thought is that somewhere in that mix, there's a ghost trying to talk and through the static of all the other channels, you'll hear a voice say something. Now, what I think is actually happening is you're going through these channels so quickly and all of a sudden you pick up, you happen to line up and pick up a word or two from the ghost box. Yeah. So, for example, one that I saw online was that you scan through and you might hear um, some radio station that's talking and he... And they're, you know, they continue on with what they were saying, but you might hear it quickly as Andy and think they're saying Andy or Annie. And 
depending on what you think you're trying to hear. Like if you ask it for a name and you happen to hear that, yeah. Oh, they, they said Andy, Andy, Annie. Like you can make it say whatever you want to say if you believe that's what you want to hear. Wasn't there that like that thing that went viral recently within the past few years where there was some sound clip and quite literally people were split 50-50 on what it said and they're completely different words. Was it Yanny and Laurel? Right? That and I think there was like needle and brainstorm you know, or something like I'll that. I'll throw I'll throw that Green. in to the episode right, you know, now. Laurel. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think you're totally what I feel like that's almost worse than useless, right? Because like you're saying, you can interpret it to mean anything and you can just run with it. And yeah, it could totally I mean, mislead we, you. We've right? seen, we've seen what okay. we've seen George those Lopez are, take people to Florida. Those are EVPs, Nick, not a ghost box. I'm just saying all audio. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, which is why I'd say AVPs are probably the second worst because AVPs you're hearing the word and then you go back later and check on the data you've recorded and you see the spike and you listen to it again and you kind of get like confirmation bias like oh well the first time I kind of heard like it clearly said you know Frank and then I went back and I heard Frank and oh yeah that's definitely Frank like no, it's probably just muffled noise. But this one isn't, as far as I know, operating off the radio frequencies. I think it's just literally recording the sounds around you. So that's why it's a step up above ghost boxes. But it still has this extra level of bias to it, I think. So, so is the difference between an AVP and an EVP? In an AVP, you also hear it out loud. And it's recorded. I believe so. And an EVP, yes. you don't hear it in real time, but you hear it. Supposedly, you hear it in the recording after the fact. That is correct. And I think you can combine yeah. an AVP and EVP, you know, and have it say something in real time and then also log the data so that you can hear it later. I'm, I'm sure they have that. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Be what the Ovilus does. I don't exactly know. But I think we should probably link the presentation that the Orange County Certainly. Paranormal Society did because they actually did a pretty good job at explaining the difference between these. And, you know, shout out to them because I really enjoyed their presentation. Um, so there's another source, but they seem to be more convinced by the EVP AVP ghost box. Whereas we're taking a more skeptical take here. Well, and I'm not saying they're wrong, we're right. I'm just presenting the facts and from that forming an educated opinion that based on what I know, I don't think it's valid. I well, think I all so. audio phenomena are just, it's just too subjective. You can't get any valuable data or do any sort of 
commendable analysis from it because it's too subjective. It'd be it'd right. Be, it'd be and like if you surveyed a thousand random people how they like, like with movie reviews. It's the same kind of thing. It's like you could survey a thousand different people at random, but they might you you they might all say things differently because everything's subjective. It could be this incredible, amazing restaurant or movie or something, and there will be people that just don't like it because it's not what they are into right and you know i think another interesting point is have you guys ever heard an evp or an avp and it's just a noise i was about to ask both of you have you ever been convinced by any evp or avp ever because for me the only time i have been it was clearly just something on the radio yeah it wasn't a ghost. It was just, it, it was yeah. too clear. It was literally just like someone talking. Um, yeah, that was definitely just someone in the. But this is the thing, like, Aaron. I guess question for you, since you were saying like you know that. Yeah. Not to not to cast any disparagement on anyone or any group, but it does seem that I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to say paranormal investigators or paranormal societies enthusiasts enthusiasts that we've seen really get convinced over evps that we have listened to and we're just like an hour from our perspective it's clearly not anything at all like if and i if i played it for anyone i 90 out of 100 people i know for a fact would be like that's not human speech that's static or that's some you know that's that's some random sound but yet still some you know certain types of people are so convinced by them. So, I mean, what do you make of that? Cause that's, there's just such a, a human aspect there. Like Nick saying, it's so subjective. Honestly, if I was ever a paranormal researcher, I, will, I don't think I would ever even do any audio stuff. I don't even think I would record anything. Or if I did, it would, it would be like the 10th thing I looked at. It would never be something I looked at alone. Yeah. So I think the, Part of the reason why people may do audio and put some faith into it, which I haven't seen a ton of, is if you have an EVP, AVP, ghost box, whatever you're using, and then an EMF reader, and all of a sudden you see a spike in EMF as they answer you, that's a little weird, don't you That's think? fair. That, that is definitely and, interesting. You know, granted, you know, could be something else that's triggering both. The more pieces of evidence you have that coincide, the more and more likely it is that it's true. So I think also like EVPs, they're nice for maybe detection. I don't think you should really put too much because they don't really have a scientific backing of like, oh, well, it's measuring this. It's it's just kind of recording and you don't necessarily know what you're hearing. I think the EVP AVP is a bit better than a ghost box because you're just recording the room around you. And if you hear something that you didn't hear or that you did hear and couldn't explain. It's a little bit more convincing of like, oh, no, I was in the room. And 
I didn't hear anything until I went and looked back at the EVP. So with that, it's interesting because you're picking up on something that wasn't there that you could not observe and therefore can't explain, which I think is why people put so much faith into the EVPs. But then when you get to interpreting, it's a little tough to tell what they're saying. And I think there's a little bit of bias sometimes with that because this is more so based on psychology in the sense that what do you hear? And obviously people hear things differently. People have better hearing, worse hearing, different ranges of hearing. Like as you get older, That's your true. hearing range shrinks. So, you know, perhaps I hate to keep falling back, but because you're operating at a different energy, you may be operating at a different volume or well not volume i guess like a audio frequency so that could be why dogs and young children are so in tune with that is because they can hear it because it's towards the upper end of the spectrum of hearing especially with dogs or cats or whatever like that have really good hearing they might be hearing something that we can't but a recorder could I have a uh, another perspective that I want to add unless I love stories with this. Indeed. Nick, do you have any other comment on that perspective? I want to know Aaron's final tier list of all the things at the end of this still. That's all I'll say. Okay. I want to know his rankings. All right. I'll, I'll do my best about all the evidence we look at today. So in brief, what if this might not just apply to EVPs and AVPs, but what if we're ignoring the personal aspect of the paranormal here? Because I will say for you mean like sensitive people. Yes, but also um, take this for example. The fantastic podcast, Astonishing Legends. A few years back, the hosts went and did a little episode investigating the Sally House. I forget where, honestly, in what state it is in the country. I believe for the South. Next time, look it up for me. Thank you. And Scott, Scott Philbrook, one of the co-hosts, heard a uh, a very, very menacing, like growling voice telling him to like get out or something. Where is it, Nick? Kansas. In Kansas. Thank you. And in the episode they did, he made such a huge deal about it. And even said it was such a it was such like a scary or, or just um personally impactful experience. And it totally changed his perspective on the paranormal. Up until that point, he was pretty, pretty skeptical. And after that, he was much more open minded. I remember listening to the episode being like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to hear this EVP. And eventually they play it and they played a bunch of times. They even played it cleared up. And yes, maybe you can kind of hear like a, an angry spooky voice going, get out or something along those lines. I remember being dumbfounded because I was like, wow, if I could make out some words, sure, but 
why is he having such a strong reaction to it? And it seems to me when you add, when you look at that anecdote and a lot of other anecdotes and how people sometimes take these things so seriously and there are people that seem to be sensitive. And you add to the fact that there are, there are always stories of people who hear voices or hear sounds that other people with them don't hear. Mm -hmm. I think there's a whole other aspect to this that might make it kind of impossible to use scientific instruments on in some scenarios where the phenomena is more than just matter in some energy level emitting different kinds of energy or leaving residue, whether it be changing temperatures or, or light or whatever. I think there's a whole other aspect of like psychological or I don't know. I don't know what it is, but a, a sort of personal aspect where these things impact individuals mentally directly, which results in some people hearing things and having very personal experiences that convince them to their bones. Where another person can hear that story or even hear the same exact things or see the same things that that person saw and come out not convinced whatsoever. I think. We can't dismiss that aspect because so many of these paranormal experiences people have do seem to have extremely personal aspects to them. And to investigate these things scientifically, you kind of have to ignore that. But then you end up with like looking at such a small subset of phenomena and it makes it almost impossible to track down. And it leaves these weird questions like, why are some people convinced by an EV EVP and some others are not? So. I guess I don't know how to summarize what I'm saying, but yeah, I think that there's a really <laughs> strong personal aspect to all of this paranormal phenomena, which is impossible to measure, but is extremely influential on people and the people who investigate these things or just experience these things. And there's no, really no way around that. And there's nothing you can do about that. Fair. I guess, so the point you're making is that Perhaps in the supernatural realm, ghosts have more control over impacting and affecting certain people over others. I think that's a good way to summarize it. Or they have the ability to impact beyond just the physical matter of the world. Now, that would be interesting because I don't think we have anything that, that we know of that lies outside our laws of physics we've set up. That would certainly be a break for sure. I mean, how would you measure that, right? Given, given the examples of people hearing voices and people next to them not hearing anything, that kind of breaks all the rules of things that we know, right? I mean, you have stories of people not who necessarily. hear loud, loud noises and only they hear it or people who hear voices in their head. And we've heard some of those stories told on this on this show. So it's like, you go in with an EVP, you go in with EMF detectors, and you're only detecting a fraction of the part of the phenomena. There's a whole other part where it's like, I think it's intertwined with the people who are experiencing it. And how do you measure that, right? Can you measure that? Fair enough. Probably can't. I, I don't, I mean, so one thing I'll say is, so if, if the same thing happens for two people, they can observe different things. So an example, if I whisper into Nick's ear 
Nick's going to hear it pretty loudly because I'm whispering into his ear. But if you're standing 10 feet away, you might not hear anything. That's very true. That is very true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could definitely make the argument that most of those scenarios can be explained away. But I think it almost gives more credence to EVPs and AVPs that sometimes they're very personal to the hearers. Yeah. Well, I think people might be more sensitive to certain. There's also that, which is a whole other, right? Like sensitive people. What even is that, right? Yeah, I don't know why that would be the case for people, but, you know, perhaps with these EVPs, we don't hear them because for some reason we're in the group of people that can't hear versus the people that are investigating. They can hear it clear as day. So it could be there and we just can't observe it just like we can't observe infrared or we can't observe ultraviolet. Like it's there, but it doesn't we can't observe it. Because we can't observe it doesn't mean it's not. Certainly. And I think that's a very important thing to note with supernatural in general. So, But I think we'll move to our last piece of evidence, which I I like this one the best. The SLS like, cam. The SLS cam. Is it really? What the heck is that? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, Frank, you probably don't know this piece of evidence. So the structured light sensor camera or the SLS cam, it, they essentially project an infrared laser grid uh, at the field in front of them. And they measure the distance between the dots and make like a 3D model of the space around. Them. What? And yeah, make so like a if stick you man. Sc- yeah, if you scroll down to the very last picture. It, that is a picture of an SLS. Oh my god, is that a ghost? Well, that's a person. But <laughs> initially, the technology was invented to detect people because it was made for the Xbox Connect. Really? Like that was its first application? Yes. Nick? There's an MU episode about people <laughs> ghost hunting with an xbox 360 connect yeah that was just a recent episode hold on yes that's it no that that is a thing they they brought one on the paranormal investigation i went on it's a very common thing if they're doing sls they'll bring an xbox 360 connect (laughs) didn't this come up in whose episode was it nick's episode recently like i think body detection walkers no no was it in the no it was the, the dr best house Oh yeah, it wasn't. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah, we talked. Wait, we talked a little bit about yeah. this, right? Yes, there was a story about seeing a stick person. I think at the top of the stairs or yeah. something. I'd have to go back and listen, but there there was an SLS story. Um, but essentially, the way it works, you know, it shoots the infrared laser grid and measures and picks up on and tries to make the shape of a person because that's what it was originally designed for. So you could play games from your living room, almost like VR, but without the the helmet. So how does this actually work? Is it that it's projecting them out like in a cone? So 
if the dots are closer together, that means that that material is closer to the projector. Yeah, so I, I'm not exactly sure how it works because I didn't look too deep into it. But essentially, it, it. Are you shaming me? <laughs> no. Um, but essentially, it measures the depth and tries to find the most human shaped depth so obviously if you take up a certain space and shape yeah it'll try and piece together a model it's very cool which yeah it, it seems all very similar to an application you were trying to yeah make. i was just thinking wait a minute i've used some that that stuff i wish i had access to a laser projector sls you could Hey, buy an Xbox 360 Connect. That'd be very cool. Play some Just Dance, but with ghosts. Imagine you're playing Just Dance and like it's like player two connected. And you're like, what the? And then you <laughs> see like the you see the battle oh. line of Connect <laughs> dancing next to you. No? Yeah, that I mean, <laughs> that's kind of the principle of the SLS is they're supposed to try and map this human shape to something that's not really there. I.e. A ghost that's cool so if if it's picking up on something and making a stick figure over something chances are it's probably picking up on a ghost or something that's there i'd like to give it the benefit of the doubt and assume the technology is not just like malfunctioning and like trying to grasp at straws there but I don't know without knowing too much about it. I can't say for certain, you know, how the technology works. But I just think it's really cool that people actually bring an Xbox 360 Connect to go and try and find ghosts. That is cool. Do you know, did they have like program? Like what did they, like I'm assuming they're not bringing um, Just Dance to see if it they're, detects they're using some... No, software. they're just so they're just using the hardware okay, okay. of the Kinect <laughs> and then they're pulling the data off of it, presumably. Got it. And using it, connecting it to your your monitor and just monitoring what's happening. How scary would that be, um, right? If you see a video feed and there's like that it, it draws the outline of what it thinks is a, a figure somewhere. That's scary. Well, I'm gonna keep going back um, and shout out again to the Orange County uh, Paranormal Society, but they had a very cool video of the... It, it was this guy like sitting down on the floor uh, and then next to him, this stick figure appeared kind of like curled up and they were asking it to like, you know, like move closer to the guy or like touch the REM pod or you know, whatever. And you could see this thing move. What? Yeah. It was pretty interesting. I'll show you guys after the episode, but uh, maybe we can include a link. I don't know how Ooh. the permissions about that yeah. were. Just see but, if it's copyrighted. If I mean, if not, it's a link fine. and we're not, like, if we're just putting a link to them, then. Yeah, I'd, I'd have sure. to see how it's set up, but. Yeah. But that sounds crazy. If you guys can check it out and donate. To them because they ask for donations. They gotta buy those connects. They probably aren't cheap. Uh maybe. Because the Xbox 360 really isn't used all that much anymore. Nor was the Connect. 
I might have my Kinect. I don't know. You have a. I have to ask my parents. I did at one point own an Xbox 360. Then why aren't we doing our own investigations? Because I don't have an Xbox 360 anymore, so I probably don't have the Kinect. But I'm not opposed. I'm. I keep thinking and looking at these websites that have like the ghost equipment. I see the price. I'm like. That's so expensive. Yeah, they're expensive. How cool would it be? You know, but maybe one day once we start getting, you know, sponsors and whatnot, we can get some equipment and go on some investigations and do some stories ourselves, like personal stories. I, I for one, would love to do that. Who knows what 2024 has in store for us? That's our big break. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so that's all the evidence i have today there's obviously other evidence that i didn't touch on like ouija boards which nick kind of touched on a lot um dowsing rods you know stuff like that that's not necessarily super mainstream but is still evidence nonetheless um so here's my overall take Not the tier list yet. I'll get to the tier list. My overall take is all evidence, and this goes for life and in ghost hunting, is circumstantial. You have to be open to the possibility that something is giving you a false positive and try and figure out what that false positive is. So, for example, you're measuring a cold temperature in the room. Figure out and, you know, circle the room, see is there any open windows or are there any, like, creaks in the floorboard that are, or would be leaking in cold air like observe and try and collect everything and figure out why this is happening and if you can't chances are could be a ghost so I'm of the mindset that you want to whittle down all the plausible explanations until you get to the implausible so try and rule everything else out but ghosts. So well put. What do you guys think of that? Agree, disagree? I mean, that I feel like that is at least at most people, I think how they approach ghost hunting is or at least I hope it is, you it's kinda like with, with like Catholic priests, with doing an exorcism go through every single possible explanation that makes sense that you know of when those can't explain it it has to be the other thing like that's a good point i didn't necessarily think that like if you like that that's exactly what happens with priests that are called to do an exorcism that you they go through every other thing. Is it a health is it a health thing? Is it a psychological thing? X, Y, and Z, so on and so forth. When all of those can't explain the behavior that someone is exhibiting, then they go through with an exorcism. So with ghost hunting, you go through, is there faulty wiring? It, did someone just move and there was a noise? You go through all these things with all the different tools and evidence that you sift through. And once every logical thing can't explain it, then it's like, well, 
all the things that made sense aren't right. I guess it has to be the thing that, you know, quote, doesn't make sense. Yeah, so, that's a very good point. That's I my think, thought on it. I think it's a little tough to, because, you know, all these stories we're looking at are secondhand information for the most part. So, you know, we're we're hearing these stories and we don't know what they observed or what they didn't observe. So it's tough to say based on, oh, just believe me. Like, well, did you see this? Did you notice this? Like, if someone claims the room got cold, well, was a window open? Like, we don't have that the ability to ask those follow-up questions for a lot of these stories. So it's a little tough sometimes to be a scientist when a lot of it is very personal. Like we're saying. So with that, I guess I'll leave you guys with the tier list. Top of the list. I gotta go with the SLS. I'm a little biased. I like it. <laughs> I don't understand it. I can't refute it. So I, I think that's probably the best. Second would be probably the camera, like the the IR cameras, because although orbs get picked up a lot and I don't think it's anything. Sometimes you do get these full body images or like, you know, you, you see something that wasn't there and it's kind of hard to refute seeing something because we generally all see the same thing. Our interpretation of it might be different. Like we if you if there's a figure in a picture that wasn't there before could be that. I see it as an old man. Frank sees it as an old lady. Nick sees it as you know, a teenager. So, you know, it's it's the interpretation's tough, but the actual observation of it pretty consistent. Uh, next, I would say probably temperature, because it's an observable thing. Everyone can see the temperature. The reason it's not as high as the other things is because it's the very susceptible to false positive of oh well it got colder because there's a draft coming in or there's a breeze like hard to explain why it happened then emf meters at the penultimate um because it is scientifically backed but again there's a lot in our modern technology days there's a lot of electromagnetic signals coming through like your phones are emitting emf signals so you have to turn off your phones during an investigation and make sure you're not standing right next to an outlet because you're gonna get a, you're gonna get something you don't expect um and lastly but certainly leastly evps and AVPs. <laughs> maybe we're just not the right ones <laughs> Maybe we're not the chosen ones, but I have yet to be convinced by an EVP. I've heard some pretty good recording, but I also can't say that it wasn't somebody off in the corner saying it and they're just like, oh no, trust us. Like, it, it, there was no one else in the room when there's like clearly someone else in the room. Like, I can't prove that. And unless I hear it for myself and know that there's nobody else in the room and know that I heard something, 
it's kind of hard for me to believe. But nonetheless, is useful. I'm not, I'm not putting down EVPs. Just I'm not putting all my eggs into that basket. So final parting comments. I know this was a very different style episode than what we're used to. So Frank, what did you think? And people at home, if you have any comments, if you want to hear more stuff like this, I'd be glad to look into some crazier evidence like the dowsing rods or, you know, the actual measurement, I guess, of Ouija boards or, you know, vibrations or whatever like some something crazy kundalini you know oh boy i i have no idea what that is yeah but look it up i can i can uh i'll look it up later google them and search if you guys are if you guys are interested in stuff like that i'd be glad to do another episode or we can go through kind of like a case study of famous paranormal investigation see what we think break it down and let you guys know what your opinions are but before we close out frank what are your thoughts i think that was super informational and i certainly wouldn't complain if you became a resident expert and i generally agree with your tier list i was hoping it would be like st you know you would say oh, this is s tier this is a tier um oh, i'm sorry I, I i forgot that's how we do tier lists now. only ranked it's still ranking is still important yeah the rank yeah. speaking of it's the Rankin scale for temperature. Mm, that's true. Earlier, the Rankin. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, and I think my final comment is I'm highlighting what you just said, how maybe we aren't the chosen ones. So a shout out to all the ghosts and spirits that listen. <laughs> you know, maybe next time we're recording. Maybe we'll get it out on audacity. Yeah, maybe, <gasps> maybe there are a bunch of EVPs in this episode. Listen closely, everyone. I'll make sure to re-listen to this episode ten times in a row to catch all the hidden Fully EVPs. Through. But um, please throw the George Lopez one in <laughs> at a random point. I will. I'll do it really low. I'll cut this out. That'll be all such a good Easter is, egg. All they're gonna hear is, yeah, basically. I'll like put the I'll put the EVPs in at really low volumes throughout the whole episode like really low Perfect. like you won't hear unless you have earbuds in or headphones on that would be anyway, funny what was i gonna say the last thing i was gonna say <clears throat> i think and i think finally you're right in that our minds will change if we have a personal experience and people who have their minds changed when they have personal experiences go up until that very 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 moment right before thinking x y and z and then all that goes out the window when they have an experience of their own so who knows what the future brings but we might look back on you know our opinions now nowadays and be like man everything changed after the incident in the albany abandoned train station in mid 2024 so who knows that's all for me all right, Nick, final comments. I think I kind of already gave my final comments on what I thought about everything, where it's just you go through it, you have to go through everything that makes sense. I'll quote what uh, Frank put in the chat from Sir Ar Arthur Conan Doyle 
stated by Sherlock Holmes, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. And I think that's true. I think we can have all this, all these, you know, gadgets and things that collect data and you can sort through it all. But the interpretation is the most important thing. You need you need to know that you're properly interpreting it, because if you're not, then you're not even doing like a false positive, false negative sort of thing. You're just kind of you're not it's not like you're not pushing an agenda or anything, but your inherent beliefs and biases are fueling what how you're interpreting it because you didn't go through all the probable causes. Yeah, very good point. And I think a great way to end up the episode. That's all for tonight's show. Remember to leave us a review on all of our streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys listen. And submit feedback at Wednesday at 9pm.com slash money. That's Wednesday at the word 9pm.com All spelled out, no numbers. And you'll find this episode's write-up, the images, and any references that I use if you want to dig deeper, which we highly encourage. And tell your friends to tune in and dethrone David Hoy as the number one super ultra mega. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next, next Wednesday at 9 p.m. Remember, stay inside tonight, and don't trust the EVPs. Thank you.